0: Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome, and we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all, because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself, under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it, and I'll see you on the other side. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast. Today I have an incredible guest with me called Jordan Jett. I found Jordan on TikTok and then found out later that she's friends with my boyfriend and I feel like the universe went full circle there because he'd actually been telling me, he was like, oh, I've got this friend. She's also on TikTok. Like I feel like you two would really get on, like maybe at some point you could meet. And of course, you know, life gets in the way, like that didn't happen. The universe was like, no, bitch, listen up. Like this girl, you need to to be friends with her. (laughs) And the universe brought her back around. And today I've got her here talking about all things celibacy. And we're also going to be talking about whether less sex might actually lead to the best sex of your life. I think it's a journey that I've sort of dipped my toes in with 75% conviction. Like I I wouldn't say I've gone fully celibate. And I think that's something that we're going to talk about today. I've definitely found every so often there's been like a cheeky blowjob here or like a cheeky kiss there. And I'm like, oh, I was like, I thought I was doing so well. And then like, oh, maybe I'm not actually practicing celibacy (laughs) after all. Damn it. But yeah, we're going to share my story, which was kind of unplanned celibacy in the loose term just through the severe heartbreak that I went through. And we're also going to share Jordan's journey of much more intentional celibacy and everything she's learned along the way. So Jordan, hi, thank you so much for joining us. I would just love it if you could give us a bit of an intro as to who you are and kind of how you describe yourself and the work that you do. Thank you so
1: much for having me. I'm so grateful that the universe finally came in our favor and brought us together. It's such an honor to be here with you and to have this conversation. So a little bit of my backstory and what I do, who I am. So really, it began with always being kind of curious about why people act the way that they act, right? Whether it was witnessing my father's struggle with alcohol addiction throughout my childhood or observing my mom battled episodes of depression. Some days so bad that she wouldn't even leave the couch. That this question mark really became less and less important in surviving. Kind of just took precedence for many years up until I moved to Los Angeles. So I was in the midst of starting my social media marketing business, working in the hip hop rap music industry, and seeing firsthand some of the world's most successful artists Chase. this unfulfilled prophecy of happiness and success. I began to pay attention to their behaviors and their actions. I was able to use them as a mirror for which I began to redefine how I had been living and kind of being curious about my own beliefs and values. After two years within the music industry, I took my business remote and I traveled solo. And that's when my journey of my healing really accelerated which is when I got really into shadow work. It's when I practiced celibacy. It's when I was doing breath work and meditation, yoga, etc. We'll get into that in this conversation. And now, fast forward five years later, I'm no longer working in social media. I'm now guiding
0: others on their shadow work and celibacy journeys oh, thank you so much for sharing. And it's funny as well, because I also used to run a social media marketing agency. And I think but it's just funny to see how, as we've both developed on this journey of healing, that we've both moved away from that type of business. I think it's very stressful and keeps you very much in fight or flight. And it's like always on and everything can go wrong constantly. And it's never enough and never enough views and need to go viral and and all of that. And I guess I just thought that was so interesting that we've both sort of mirrored each other on that journey and that we've also... Both ended up in Mexico. And guys, just before we jump into like the deep, dirty, juicy parts of this episode, Jordan and I are both in Mexico and we both joined this call and our sound engineer hopped on as well to get us all set up for this. And Jordan was like, I'm so sorry. There's like a protest outside. She's in Mexico City. And then there was like the biggest bang ever. Like it honestly sounded like an explosion. And I was like, I'm so sorry. There's literally like a huge construction site outside. There's like so much music. People are like hollering and whooping. And we were like, only in Mexico, but it's like really beautiful that we've both gone on these journeys and we've both sort of ended up here. What I want to start with is your reference to shadow work alongside celibacy. And the reason that I love that is that if you mention the word celibacy, which if you look at the definition in the dictionary is the state of abstaining from marriage and sexual relations, I feel like when you think of the word, the connotations are exactly that this very sort of old patriarchal restrictive experience where it's like, no, like ye shall not experience pleasure, like ye shall not be a slut, like all of these things. And actually, both of our experiences have been quite the opposite, like so liberating, so empowering, so amazing. But I think that the side of celibacy that people don't see is this part of shadow work, which is that actually in the space that you open up with celibacy, You open up space to look into the darkness. I would just love it if we could start with what is shadow work for anyone listening that's like, hey, I don't think I really know what that term means.
1: Yeah, so shadow work is really the process of bringing the unconscious to the conscious. Your shadow consists of everything that you have denied, dismissed, or even hidden from yourself. The thing is, is you can't hide your shadow forever. In fact, when you fail to see it is when more trouble arises. For example, maybe you're a jealous partner. You show jealousy through your partner, right? This is a very conscious reaction. But subconsciously or within your shadow, what's actually taking place is that the fear of losing something, the fear of losing your partner potentially, is actually what's triggering the feeling of jealousy.
0: So it's almost like that iceberg analogy, which is like you see above the surface, like the small part of the iceberg, which is like the feeling, but actually it's driven by something much deeper. And that part that's below the surface is developed from years and years, if not decades of experiences. And I think that's something we talk about often on this podcast is how so many of these beliefs and models of love and. I guess just ideas about the world and about love and relationships are often formed so far before we're ever even conscious of them, you know, even taking attachment style for an example, it's thought that by the age of two, that that's formed and fixed. So I think it's so important for everyone just to understand that, yeah, shadow work is these bits of life that we deny and that we suppress and we suppress so much. It's a huge problem with today's society and why I'm so happy that we're here talking about this. And I would love to also just jump into celibacy. How did you get there? How did you get to a point to be like, hey, like, holy fuck, I'm on a celibacy journey. Like, was it a conscious decision? Was it something that just happened? Talk me through what celibacy means to you and and how that journey unfolded for you.
1: My celibacy journey lasted for around 13 months. So my decision to go celibate in the beginning really was simply a recovery method to allow myself to heal after a three-month sling. A thing that I did project myself into the future of realizing that I did want something more with this person, but the very reality of the behaviors from the person were not reflecting that. And so celibacy in the beginning was space, right, to heal. And then it turned into this intentional journey of removing myself from partners, not participating in sex, not even doing self pleasure, and really reevaluating. All my relationships with each, right, with partners, with sex, with self pleasure, really looking at why was I attracting the partners that I was attracting in my past. Really diving deep, and that's a lot of what shadow work is—is is really going deep into the patterns and the behaviors and reflecting on that, and ultimately bringing them to life to better ourselves. Right, and so I even think of before my celibacy journey and reflecting back on my relationships with men, and even my relationship with sex. It was very ego-based and very performative. And I often played very hard to get to just kind of boost my self-worth, to feed that ego, right? This really stemmed from the early child and sexual trauma that I experienced. And I found through shadow work that why I was doing that was to feel in control. To feel like I had a say on what I wanted, to feel empowered because that got taken away from me at such a young age.
0: Well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing that. That's deeply vulnerable and very grateful for that. And I think that talking of space, that's one of my favorite things mentioned so far is that celibacy is space. I think that there's this misconception in today's society that celibacy is weird, or celibacy means you're frigid, or celibacy means like you know, it is. It has this very like detrimental feel to it. People are almost like quite violating in terms of the language they use. They're very derogatory. Like that's so weird. Like why wouldn't you? Do, why would you do that? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So actually, finding people like you who have really validated me in my own journey is a beautiful thing as well. And I think that your right, celibacy is just space. And it's so funny how for both of us, our celibacy experiences, even though again, I'm admitting that mine has definitely been more fluid than probably yours, which was more intentional, came from a space of healing from heartbreak or healing from pain. And I think my story was that I was just so heartbroken. I was that kind of heartbroken when you can't eat, you can't sleep, you have nightmares every night. It was like so horrendous that initially. The thought of someone else putting their hands on me was like just the worst thing I could imagine. I could hardly even like eat, let alone go out and have sex with someone. And then I think that when I was like, okay, well, I'm just not going to date and I'm not going to be intimate with anyone. It opened up that space for me to process the heartbreak, much like it opened up the space for you to maybe look back into your childhood, maybe to face up to this trauma that you went through and and the repercussions from that. So I love that reference about celibacy as space and celibacy gives you the ability to review your relationship with what's going on around you. Because I honestly think that in this time when I gave myself space, that's also when I started therapy. So I was doing the same as you. I was reviewing my relationships with my family, with my friends, with my previous lovers, boyfriends, etc., etc. If I had been being intimate with someone, I wouldn't have gone on that journey because I feel like when you're coming from a wounded place, sex and intimacy is like intoxicating. It comes from a place of ego. It comes from a place of validation. And I'm so grateful you sharing that piece about you playing hard to get and the control piece, because it was the same for me. It was like, I'm going to play hard to get, you're going to have to fight to get me. And then finally, when you have fought and shown me that you're going to fight, then you can have my body. That is not how intimacy and pleasure should work. So I would love to just understand a little bit more about how did you feel that your relationship with sex and men, and you know, yes, we're coming from a heteronormative standpoint in this relationship, but I think that whatever type of relationship you're in, I'm hoping that everyone listening can take these learnings and apply them to their relationships because really it's just key takeaways about intimacy in general. But how did you feel that your relationship with men and sex and intimacy was pre-celibacy?
1: So pre-celibacy, as I shared, I use men for ego, right? I use them to boost my self-worth. And if I were to kind of share the shadow behind that and where that actually derives from, because when I was born, right, I was not born with these beliefs that my self-worth comes from men or that sex should be shamed or that pleasure is a bad thing. That was all taught and that was shown to me throughout my childhood. So when I think back of the kind of the major shadows that I took on, that I worked through shadow work and that played a major role in being celibate, there are three. So a belief that I picked up was that being at a young age to never show emotions because emotions made me look weak. Growing up with three older siblings, emotions were essentially a death threat, right? I also learned through my mom's relationships, my parents divorced when I was super young. So my mom... Her relationship patterns showed me that men could make everything better. She herself was always in a better mood, acting like the perfect mom when they were around. And so how I interpreted those experiences is that my self-worth was in the hands of others, men in particular. Lastly, what I witnessed through my dad was his love was hard to get. He never showed his emotions and I always felt like I had to fight to be seen by him. Through my healing journey, I realized he was emotionally unavailable, and that had become my pattern too. I was attracting emotionally unavailable men. I was using them to boost my ego, to get my worth from them. And then when things got too vulnerable, I was shut down. So that was a very common patterning throughout most of all my relationships,
0: I think that the emotionally unavailable piece is so important and it's something that I talk about a lot because I went on exactly the same journey as you, which is that I also identified that I'm emotionally unavailable if I'm going for these emotionally unavailable men because I I thought that that was love, the chase, the fight for pleasure. Is he going to pick me? Can I make him pick me? Is he going to fancy me? Is he going to be into me? What can I do to make him like me more, et cetera, et cetera? Therapy ultimately taught me that that was coming from this deeply wounded place inside of me that actually couldn't handle true intimacy. Because if you can't handle true intimacy, you will only engage with people that keep you on the surface. Like they never are going to make you go deep. They're never going to ask you the deep and vulnerable questions. They're never going to make you crack open that armor that we wear as human beings and let you into like the truth inside of us in our heart. So I think that is. Fascinating how we both came to that conclusion in this space that we gave ourselves by not engaging with others, you know, sexually during this period. So I would love to just understand a little bit more about was this an intentional? decision for you? Did you wake up one day and say, I'm not going to masturbate. I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z. Did you put in like firm boundaries for celibacy? Because I'd love to talk about how you structured your journey versus how I didn't structure mine.
1: So in terms of exploring why I showed up the way that I did in relationships, why I was attracting the partners that I did, celibacy wasn't at first intentional. Like I said, it was the healing journey, right? However, once I had the time and the space to reflect back on the relationships, I had a lot of revelations come through. First being, wow, that was so obvious. That guy was never going to be in a relationship with me. But also, exactly to what you just said, I never actually wanted to be in a relationship with him either. I was just getting my basic needs met for that period, that season of my life, right? And so with more revelations coming through, it got easier and easier to kind of separate myself from my old patterns because I could see finally for the first time with the space that they weren't serving me. The boundaries that I did set was setting communication boundaries with my exes. I did delete dating apps and I did delete my fleeing numbers out of my phone. And I really did that because I knew if that they were still there, that when that old pattern or when I had a, a moment of weakness, my temptation would overpower me and I would fall back into my old pattern. Boundaries is something that I have had to learn and relearn over and over again. Boundaries are a way to set yourself up for success. Nothing more. They have nothing to do with the other person. They're about you. We often fear boundaries for three main reasons, right? We're afraid of losing people. We don't feel confident and we don't feel deserving. At the beginning of my celibacy journey, when I was implementing my boundaries, I was afraid of losing people. I didn't feel so confident, but I did know that I was deserving of porn. And that was enough to set the boundaries in place to set myself up for success. And while it was very easy to fall back into old patterns, and I did five months into my celibacy, I did break it, which we could talk about. There was always that intention to return back to it. And that's something that I also wanted to shine light on is if you do break your celibacy, there's no shame
0: because there's always a deeper lesson to learn in everything. I really appreciate how you've mentioned and shared that 5 months into your journey actually yeah things did go tits up and how 5 months in actually you had a bit of a slip up and i think that taking that shame out of it is so important because like with anything if if we live in binary black and white terms it's a very harsh way to live because the truth is that our reality is fluid and everything is on a spectrum and like you said there's something to learn from everything that we go through so we need to look at those things more compassionately rather than being like Fuck fuck, like I broke my celibacy. Oh, I'm an idiot. Or like, fuck him for being just like all the other guys. I'm sure that you approached it in in a compassionate way. And I think for me, it was the same. You know, I, again, wasn't intentionally being celibate. I I definitely was not dating. I definitely was not being intimate with people. I definitely had this idea in the back of my mind because this wasn't the first time that I'd gone a prolonged period of time without having sex with someone. I knew what a healthy space it was for me and how little anxiety I lived within that space. And it removed the ability for someone else to trigger me and trigger that anxious attachment style, trigger the abandonment wound, which we're also going to talk about later because you can't just go celibate to avoid everything, right? But like Jordan said, if you slip in this space, that's okay because it's showing you the areas that you still have to work on. And I think for me that in the two years between being so heartbroken and meeting my new partner, I was intimate with two men and I actually didn't sleep with either of them, but we went on a few dates, we were intimate and Actually, the first one, he was very jealous. So when I first started seeing those signs of jealousy, because of the work I was doing, I was able to say, "Uh uh-uh, like, no, red flag. This doesn't work for me. I don't want this trait in my partner. Old Louise would have stayed because you're really handsome. You look good when I walk down the street next to you and I'm going to hang around. But new Louise, healthier Louise, who had worked on some of those shadows in therapy, was able to step away. So I'm proud of that. Um, But the second guy, he was a big, big trigger for me. It was like we were intimate and then he ghosted me. He never spoke to me ever again. And it was like so deeply distressing for me that I'd been intimate with you. You know, I was intimate way too quickly. I hadn't learned my lessons in shadow work. I'd done the same thing. I'd given myself away too quickly. I'd attached too quickly. I wasn't safe with you. But he really, really, really hurt me. And I think that that was the moment when maybe like you, I was like, okay, I've slipped here and I'm going to go back into that. And then I really wasn't intimate with anyone until I met my boyfriend. So I really, really love what you've shared around how it's okay if this is fluid and it's okay if this slips and that every single person really is just there to help you see more of your shadows, right? They're there to put a flashlight on them a little bit more. But going back to boundaries, I'd love to understand how you communicated that to people because I have always felt quite a lot of shame around setting my boundaries around intimacy. Because when I was younger, when I wouldn't sleep with people, I'd be like, that's so fucking weird. So fucking weird that you don't sleep with people. So I definitely hold like shame around that. So I think my first question for you is how did you communicate this to people When you were dating? How did you communicate it to your partner when you met him? What tips and tricks do you have for communicating in that space?
1: Because each celibacy journey is different, I'm going to share that in mind, I didn't actually date. Because if I did, I was a little too weak with my boundaries at that point, which is why I broke my celibacy five months into it, because I essentially there was still. Yes, more learning to do, but it was a bit of a weak point for me. What I share now to my clients that are on the celibacy journey, that are choosing to date while celibate, I 100% support it because dating while celibate will not only help you communicate your boundaries and get better at them, but it will also help you get more clear about what it is you want in a partner, which is kind of what you described in the two men, right? You took that jealousy. Nope, I don't want that. So first step, if my celibacy clients are choosing today, is to one, tell them as soon as possible. Because if you kind of lead them on, you kind of, you don't set yourself up for success, right? And you also might get put into a vulnerable situation where you're just like, ah, okay, well, we're kissing, we're on the bed. I can't leave now, you know? So tell them as soon as possible. Be very upfront about your boundaries. And that can look like, hey, I really like you. This is really important for me to share this with you because this is part of my journey. I am celibate. I'm looking to remain celibate for X amount of time. I hope you can respect that about my journey. No. second step, pay attention to how they respond. Are they supportive in your celibacy journey? Or do they shame you by telling you, oh, that's weird. Like, why? If they do that, red flag, all the red flags, <laughs> run. <laughs> because who wants to be with a partner that doesn't fully support your decisions and your values and your beliefs?
0: I love that. And I really have to say that before doing the work, I had just had so many experiences with low-value men. I had gone through so much sexual trauma, sexual assault, that I really was so clouded and glazed over about how beautifully healthy intimacy can be. Like, I genuinely feel like there were points in my journey where, you know, it sounds like horrendous to just be like, oh, I was just a body but it feels like you're trying to get intimacy from them and you feel like you just have to give them your body and that's all they want from you. And then you give it to them and it feels good for like 20 seconds, two minutes, two hours, however long you're with them. And then they leave and then you're empty and then like you're traumatized all over again. I mean, I I cannot tell you like how many times I've gone through that cycle. And I think that was a big part of me not being intimate with anyone during that heartbreak period was like, I know how my choice in men, my choice in low value partner is going to just drive these traumatizing cycles further. And I'm in a space of healing. So bringing that energy, bringing that trauma, bringing those cycles into my reality is like the last thing that I need to, or really should be doing. But I also want to share with people out there, and you know we haven't spoken about about Jordan's partner, and I'm sure we will in a minute is that I'm sure she stands with me in, in saying that there are incredibly high value men and women out there, and just because you haven't come into contact with them yet doesn't mean they're not there. I was my own red flag. I was like, there's no good men out there, there's no good men out there. and the truth is is that if you are the person that's saying that. It's really reflective of actually the men and women that you're attracting with, engaging with and choosing to engage with. And it ties back to what Jordan said around that, that comes from what you learn in your childhood years, in your family dynamics, et cetera, et cetera. And then I met my partner and it was the first time that I'd had sex with anyone in two years. And I was not ready to do that when I met him. And I've never met someone who just with such grace and such kindness just said, there is no pressure here. There is no time here. We will do this whenever you feel right. We waited like months. I, don't, I can't even remember how long and it's become so normal to me. But I remember that I mentioned that to people and they're like, what the fuck? Like, you know, that's, that's crazy because we live in this society where everything has to happen right now. So I want people out there to know that there are men and women out there that will respect this healing journey that you're on. They will respect what you've gone through and they will respect what you're trying to heal because that's ultimately what the space of celibacy and and self-work can bring to you. And I don't know if you had that experience as well when you decided to exit back out of celibacy and, you know, was it because you met your partner? Did you feel really ready to jump back in, like, how did that journey happen? Was it smooth? Was it like, whoa, super overwhelming? How did that happen for you?
1: When I finally decided to end my celibacy, yeah. there was a few factors that kind of put me in that position of like, OK, I'm ready, and I'll try to explain it as tangible as possible so people who are also celibate can take away from this. Something that I felt towards my exes was no longer being bitter or even angry. Also, I felt really secure in being able to establish my boundaries and communicating them. I had my own interests and my hobbies. I had my own life. I had finally made myself my number one priority. And I also had my non-negotiable list made, which I could speak on that. But I, I want to touch base on the kind of settling aspects because the first guy that I dated after my eight months spread of celibacy... There was an opportunity for me to settle, and I could have fallen back into my old Jordan ways. However, I chose not to. And that really looked like me developing feelings for him. It was about three months. We were seeing each other routinely, like, okay, things are elevating, right? And finally, I was like, I'm really developing feelings for you. What does that look like for you? What do you see this becoming? And his response was, I really like you too. But This is the amount of time that I can give you. Old Jordan would have been like, I'll take it. (laughs) I'll take it. But new Jordan was like, wait, no. Why would I settle for the bare minimum when I can have so much more? Yes, I like you, but I want more of your time. And if you're not willing to give that to me, then I'm going to find someone that will. So that was kind of my first little test of getting out of celibacy. And then I met my now partner, Emilio we met on mumble I share this on my TikTok all the time people are like you guys met on Bumble?" and I'm like yes I swear it's possible because what it comes down to is all about intention right like my patterns of being on dating apps before was like less photos to be mysterious and this time I was like yo I'm looking to date and I'm looking to be in a partnership this is me if you swipe on me then that's like at least a little bit of a of a good sign that you're interested in developing more no And so how it started with Emilio was quite intense in the beginning. A lot of things got brought up. And so we split for a month and just kind of gave ourselves space, didn't speak, just kind of gave it air, right? But then we reconnected. And in the first month of reconnecting, I was like, look, I don't necessarily know you. You don't know me. Those three weeks was quite intense and we were just kind of running with it. But let's get to know each other. So I was able to communicate what I needed from him. And it was reciprocated, which was beautiful and very reaffirming of like, yes, it's possible. There's good men, women, et cetera, out there that will support you on your journey. And
0: that will, if they want to be there, they will. So important what you said about getting to know each other, because this for me has been like one of the most revolutionary learnings of the last few years. Because if you go back to my ex, he and I were friends long before we became anything more than friends. And in that period, we really got to know each other. We really shared the deepest, darkest things about ourselves through the vehicle of friendship. I think at which point you realize like, oh my God, I feel so safe with this person. I really, I think it it lends to building in to something else. And... Again, I I think I waited to to sleep with him as well because my own trauma means that I just really have to feel safe with you before I have sex with you. Um, And don't get me wrong, there have been so many times when I've been intimate with people and I didn't feel safe. And I think that that's because you push through that boundary of like, oh, just do it, just like whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I just love the point around how you said that it it enabled you and Amelia to get to know each other because that's also what I did with my boyfriend as well is by giving ourselves space, taking out, you know, the intimacy and the, like the fucking all the time from day one, it's almost like, okay, I'm going to just like have a bit more space to get to know you, have a bit more space to see how I feel when I'm with you. Like, what's your red flags? Where's my red flags? Like, do they work together? Do they clash? Are we compatible? So for anyone listening to this that's thinking like, yes, I've been thinking about celibacy for a while or even, oh, hey, like I didn't realize celibacy could be this positive, amazing experience where I could sort of focus on myself and it can be really adding to my life rather than taking away If someone's listening and they're interested in maybe stepping onto this journey of shadow work of celibacy, where should they start? And how do you advise your clients to start on this journey?
1: Celibacy doesn't have to be what everyone else thinks celibacy is. You can make your own definition of it. So I always support my clients in defining what celibacy is to them. And first by creating intention. An intention really establishes your why of being on this journey and you You will always refer back to it when you kind of get into those spaces of like self-defeat or negative self-talk. You always go back to your intention, right? Second step is to create your rules. And your rules aren't really meant to kind of hold you down. They are there to support you. If you know, for example, that you might fall more vulnerable in dating while celibacy, then give yourself some time to not date. For example, I did not partake in self-pleasure because I knew that my relationship with self-pleasure, with sex, needed attention. So I intentionally removed that from my journey, temporarily, just to give myself space and time. So those are my top two tips if you're thinking of exploring celibacy.
0: Okay, so I love it that you also combined self-pleasure as part of your celibacy journey because I definitely did not absolutely did not. Like, don't know why I just said that so strongly. It's not like I masturbate all the time, but it's like a part of my journey that helps me feel very like connected to myself and helps me to express my sexuality with myself. But I also am really aware that your relationship with self-pleasure, like you said, can be positive or negative. So I love it. That we're going into this because there's a girl called Shona Virtue. She's like a really big like fitness blogger between London and Australia. You probably won't be familiar with her. Just from I don't know if you are. It doesn't matter if you are or not. But she did this podcast basically saying that she um, had to stop masturbating and went celibate, including self pleasure, because she found that like some people might pick up a pizza or a cigarette or a line of cocaine when they're stressed. She would be picking up her vibrator or her dildo or whatever, even her hand, as part of her coping mechanisms for life. Now, I think that this is something that's so overlooked and it's something that's on my to-do list to talk more about on the podcast because I've had direct one-on-one experience with an ex-partner who, from a young age, he had learned to soothe through masturbation. And I think that when we look into like nervous system regulation and when it's dysregulated, an orgasm and connecting with ourselves can really soothe us in the same way that it can, like I said, eating a pizza, sucking your thumb, having a cuddle. So I love that. And I just like to go into that a little bit more and I don't really know what my question is but yeah did that start because you understood yeah this is a coping mechanism like everything else or how did you find that that was hindering you know this journey of self-reflection and self-work
1: when I looked at my relationship with self-pleasure I was able to see it as a coping mechanism that provided the soothing benefits and also I use it often as a distraction. So when something would come up and I didn't necessarily want to feel it or deal with it, I would use self-pleasure as a way to escape. And that was a very repetitive pattern that had been repeated and repeating for many, many years. As someone that explored self-pleasure at a very young age, I also had some shame around it. I wasn't open about it. I kept it very secluded to myself. I mean, Jordan, young Jordan 10 years ago would have like died talking about self-pleasure so publicly, you know. But because I had all those behaviors and patterns tied to my self-pleasure, I needed to take a step away from it and actually go deeper of like, what am I trying to soothe? And maybe just because when I was younger, that that self-pleasure was a way of soothing, that I don't actually have to run away and do that anymore. There's a more, maybe a logistical, realistic coping mechanism of how to really feel the feelings rather than run from them. And to really Look at what's happening, right? And to no longer distract myself with pleasure, because it's like, hey, I have all the tools that I could do this, I can look at this, and I can go deeper into this. When I stopped partaking in self pleasure, I found that I did have this urge a lot, right? But what helped me was learning about sexual transmutation, which is really taking your same sexual energy and using it and transmuting it into creative energy. So it just so happened to be that I was building a whole social media business and I was using that sexual energy and I was totally pushing it into my business, my creations. And so that's how I coped with it. I don't know if cope is the right word, but that's, that's how I was able to work with my sexual energy in enough amount of time. To reevaluate what my relationship with self pleasure was, and then eventually slowly bring it back into my practice, and never leaning on self pleasure to distract me or to soothe me, but rather leaning into self pleasure as my birthright and having no shame about it, and really just being like, I deserve this.
0: And do you know what? Deserve it, you do. We all deserve it. And I loved it, what you said around how it's like crazy that we're talking about this on a podcast because I feel the same way. You know, I don't think I even spoke about self pleasure until I was like well into my 20s. But, you know, at what age do we start doing it? Way before that, like I I remember discovering it like way before that and being like, wow, this feels amazing, but never saying to anyone, like, oh my God, have you tried this? Like, how good does it feel? So for sure, I held so much shame around it as well. And it felt this like little secret that you like keep in the dark. And then here we are like 10, 15, however many years later, like grown women on this podcast talking about how we no longer or how we're working through that shame. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. And like, I'm proud of us both that we're here doing this today. I think younger Jordan and younger Lulu would be like, looking at us like, oh my goodness, because yeah, I I just, I'm really, really proud of us that we can have these conversations and hopefully inspire other people. And I think it's so important that people can reflect inwards and look at their self-pleasure and think, how do I use this? Do I use it to soothe? Do I use it to cope? Do I use it to survive? And I think that is the starting point of a journey that so many have not yet gone on. We look at food We look at cigarettes, we look at alcohol, we look at how we interact with those substances, but we do not look at how we interact with the brain chemical release that we get from an orgasm. So I love that. And I think that just as we come to wrap up the episode now, because I know we're coming up for time and I wish we could keep going for hours, but I also wanted to ask whether you found that your celibacy journey and your pause on self pleasure and intimacy ultimately led you to an increased level of pleasure within the bedroom. Now, the reason that I ask you this, and I know we didn't plan for this question, so you might be like, whoa, what is this bitch asking? But the reason I'm asking you this question is, I don't know if it's an age thing, like entering into my 30s. I don't know if it's that I'm in like a healthy, loving, worshipping relationship. But I, with my current partner and also the boyfriend before, which he's not going to appreciate listening to, had like deeply amazing sexual experiences that way surpassed anything that i experienced in my 20s they felt so much more embodied so much more present so much more intense so much more safe and i feel like that pleasure for me has come out excuse the pun has come out of the <laughs> out of the pause and the space that i gave myself to not just engage with that pleasure and actually connect inwards with myself so i'm wondering if what your experience with pleasure is today versus perhaps before I can easily say that I'm having the best
1: sex I've ever had in my entire life. And (laughs) that (laughs) that 100% comes from the work that I've done on myself because I was able to get to know my own needs and my desires, my own body, what fulfilled me, what I didn't want, right? Also, reflecting back on my past sexual relationships and being like, that was not for me. And what… I get now and what I got so much out of my own journey is that I am worthy enough to call in a partner that fully sees me, that hears me, and that allows me to feel safe. And also, I can provide all those aspects to myself as well. And so now that I'm in this relationship, and yes, it's the best sex of my life, I also am very confident that that comes from my own journey and that if I could share anything to anyone that's like maybe feeling like just they're performing in their sex life and it's just not really fulfilling, I don't know if it's an age thing. I think it's a getting to know you kind of thing.
0: Oh, that is so amazing. What an end to the episode because I feel like our journeys have been so similar, albeit different, but a lot of similarities. And actually we're both sat here being like, yeah, we are having the best fucking goddamn sex of our lives. And not only that, but we deserve it. And why do we deserve it? Because we did the work to get to this point, like it wasn't easy. It feels like we've gone through darkness to get here. Like we've waded through like the dark jello. And actually when you go through that, you get to the other side. And then that is where just this like light, healthy pleasure is on the other side. So I just want to thank you for that. And I think that everyone listening, I'm sure, you know, they feel the same way. Thank you so much for your vulnerability. Thank you so much for your time. I think what I've taken from you on today's episode is We're having the best sex of our lives and everyone else deserves that too because we're worthy of it and so is everyone else listening. Pleasure is your birthright, but sometimes you need to do a little bit of work to help you get there. And what I've learned from Jordan today is that celibacy is space. Celibacy is the space that helps you to see the patterns that have not been serving you. And celibacy helps you to take responsibility for how you've been playing a part in those patterns. It also gives you the space to break those cycles and set boundaries. The boundaries are for you and for no one else. So celibacy helps you nurture and develop your own life and it nurtures you as your number one priority. It helps you to look inwards rather than constantly looking out at all of the people around you and thinking, are they picking me? Are they choosing me? Do they love me? So yes, Sex, intimacy, self-pleasure, all of these things can be an escape and a way for us to soothe ourselves. But ultimately, you can be the one to take control of how you use these things and you can use them to your own benefit to build deeply healthy, loving, nurturing and pleasurable, not even sure if that's a word, deeply, deeply pleasurable relationships. So Jordan, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please tell everyone where they can find you and what you're working on at the moment. You can find
1: me at Jordan Shep at TikTok and Instagram. What I'm currently working on right now is building up my private online community. This is Poza. It's really this offering that I wish I could have had on my celibacy and shadow work journey. It's where I guide others on theirs and really offer the supports that I did not have myself. And the women there are so beautiful. We learn from each other. We share our stories. And most importantly, everyone is reaffirmed that they're not alone. I'm working on a new course right now, Discover Your Boundaries, all about how to really establish your strong boundaries to meet all of your needs and what you are wanting in life and how to communicate and advocate for yourself. So...
0: That's what I'm working on. And we're going to link all of that in the show notes for this episode. So, if anyone is interested in finding Jordan on social media and going to follow her, you should do that. She's got an amazing TikTok, great Instagram as well. We'll link all of that. We'll also link all of the information around the Mariposa membership. So, how you can go and find that, maybe join Jordan's private community and have her support you on your journey as well, because I think that it's really a profound one. And I really wish that more people today we're open to celibacy. I think celibacy is fucking cool. Like anyone out there that's like, that's weird. I'm like, no, you're weird for thinking that celibacy is weird because it's been one of the best things that I've ever dipped my foot in. Even if I was a very naughty celibate person, I didn't really stick by the celibate rules, but I took some, some value from it. So yeah, thank you, Jordan. You are amazing. Thank you for your vulnerability. And I'm sure that we'll have you back on another episode sometime soon.
1: Thank you, love. It's been a honour. Take care, lots of love.
0: Hi, friends. Did you love the episode? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I always enjoy recording them. If you took value from this episode, I would really appreciate you subscribing to the podcast, leaving a review on Apple or Spotify, as well as tagging us on social media at The Open House Podcast. Supporting us in this way helps the podcast to move up the charts, as well as most importantly, reaching more people who are in need but can't access traditional therapy thank you a million times over for always supporting this podcast and going on this journey with me and other than that this is your final reminder that you can find me here on the open house podcast every monday until then remember there is nothing sexier than self-awareness and together we are going to make mental health great again